0: I'm mining I'm mining I'm mining I'm mining Mob so icy wonder why they kill me I'm just mining in water I just fell in a hole Now I'm crying Every server I go on Yeah, is inspiring Hello
1: everybody, welcome to Export Audio Probably episode 131? Probably. Who Probably. can say? It's been almost three weeks. This is episode 131. The last episode was Wookie Porn Chair Origins, a George Lucas story.
2: <laughs> George. Do you, sure watch TA... hmm? Do you see that thing going around about George telling everyone that the world was really going to end in 2012? No. Oh, well, that's, that's the thing I saw. Seth Rogen recalls the time that George Lucas uh, feared the world would end in 2012 and implied he had a spaceship prepared to leave Earth. I don't believe that. I think George is doing a little thing called joking.
1: Well, when I googled George Lucas 2012, the first result is a Wired article called George Lucas Dispels Wild 2012 Apocalypse Rumor.
2: Okay, hit me with that one, because I've only had part one of Seth Seth Rogen going, I think George Lucas has completely lost his mind and was telling the truth when he said he had a spaceship.
1: (laughs) This article is from
2: 2011. This one's from... Okay, alright. What does it say?
1: Star Wars creator George Lucas was just kidding when he (laughs) chatted with Seth Rogen about the Mayan (laughs) prophecy of an apocalypse in 2012. But that hasn't stopped news sites from regurgitating Rogen's weird report that Lucas truly believes the end is near. Even the Washington Post's Celebratology 2.0 blog got in on the action Wednesday.
2: Well, they're still doing it st- I didn't realize this from, like they already went around at the time. <laughs> <laughs> the decade later they're still getting and I clicked I clicked and I brought it here, like, oh, Nora, I've seen an article on the internet. The news wouldn't make something up to lie to me <laughs> uh,
1: wait. I spoke with George said Lucasfilm rep Lynn Hale to an email to wire.com about the issue of obvious intergalactic importance. He was not serious when he talked about the end of the world in 2012 but he is an adamant believer that the world is flat, that Stonehenge is built by aliens and that the sun revolves around the earth, Hale said. <laughs> That's how you know from 2011
2: because a- you can't Joke about all those things now. <laughs>
1: These are among the many subjects he commonly discusses at length with Elvis, who he's going to digitally insert into Indie Five along with a roster of famous dead actors. <laughs>
2: this press person's having a little fun today. Everyone keeps asking me about some Star Wars bullshit. I'm gonna have a little fun.
1: Just a
2: little. Just a little fun. <laughs> no one's gonna know. Well, hello, Nara. Um,
1: this article ends with Seth Rogen is a funny guy. Lucasfilm's Hale said, but George and Steven are taking Chris Rock with them on the Millennium Falcon. I- end of article.
2: I mean, I I agree, Chris Rock is funnier than Seth Rogen, <laughs> but I don't I don't think that was a competition. That at any point in history, anyone have been like, which one? If you could only choose one, Chris Rock or Seth Rogen. <sighs>
1: Jackson, you're here instead of Autumn
2: That's true, I was sent a DM last night
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, was, I broke the glass
2: <laughs> And you're like, emergency podcast tomorrow And I was like, alright, I'll do that, why not? Uh,
1: okay, so You and I have talked a little bit in the past about true. our uh That's true. yes <laughs> But more specifically, about Um the writing that we've done or tried to do in the past. Uh,
2: yeah, classic bad writing because I was a, uh, you know, I had a bad script writing degree so I wrote a of bad stuff for that. You had a creative writing class back in the day.
1: And uh, I just was, tried to be a writer for most of my uh, I guess more than half my life. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I joined a writer's group at 13 that met in the library and we just hung out every week and shared whatever we had written and that uh continued for several years um uh, and i've always wanted to get better at and get more into writing uh and what i found recently on my old laptop is a synopsis of something that i wanted to write in 2012 would have been There's two versions of this, one in late 2012, one in early 2013. Uh, At which point I would have been uh, 19. And I wanted to share this synopsis with you, my good friend.
2: I'm very excited. I'm so excited for this. Let's go. So the
1: trick was, I was like, okay, I have cool ideas. But I struggle at writing scenes, and I can write a scene, but I have a hard time knowing when the scene is over and what scene to go to next. So if I write a synopsis, and then I go back through and I make this sentence into two sentences, then that sentence into three sentences, I can just like flesh it out from an outline and fool myself into writing scenes
2: that's true no, that didn't but happen I, I, that didn't happen but it is it is funny you describing the concept the very normal concept of writing an outline as something you invented <laughs> as like an organic no i knew of
1: i had i had heard of outlines and saw that as a much formal much more formal thing than whatever this was Wait, so this but is i not... guess it is an outline
2: let, let's no, no no i hang on let me tell you a formal word is this like mm-hmm. a writing exercise of, let's, I know, I know it's not a sentence, but let's just say, it's a, you write a sentence, right? And then you split that sentence mm-hmm. into two sentences, and you split those sentences into two sentences, and through the splitting of the large to the small, you then come across the structure. That is the the aim of this method of writing, right? I guess it's
1: kind of like trying to reverse engineer a book from the Wikipedia summary.
2: Okay, that's an outline. I'm trying is this a normal yes. outline or is there more like splitting going on? Uh
1: it is a narration of events. <laughs> this is an outline. <laughs> okay, it's an outline. It's called synopsis WIP dot txt, okay?
2: Okay, okay.
1: <laughs> I I took I don't I I don't think I even took a creative writing class, actually. I just took a normal literature class? Mm-hmm. I did not last long. I didn't go to high school and I didn't last long in college, so
2: uh well they're both bad uh, but, for different reasons, so yeah. <laughs> I
1: um I copied it into a um
2: Google do Doc. A Google
1: Doc. Yep. A Googled Doc you meant. So there are four
2: sections here, and I want to be clear: I haven't, I, I haven't read this. I'm uh, this is reaction. This is live reactions, not just color yes. commentary. I just to... I found this. Absolute bullshit, and I
1: just wanted to share it because uh, it's wild, and I think it'll be a good time.
2: I, I'm—I I, mean, I think they're very brave. I'm not sharing my fucking terrible script from the <laughs> days where I was like, "Oh, I've watched so much The West Wing, and here's my fake Sorkin script."
1: <laughs> okay, I have skimmed this over the last twelve hours. I have not read it in depth. Um, just from what I remember. Uh we'll we'll see we'll see. So the first act is called Genesis of Will. Um <laughs> Ray is a wandering pickpocket and he travels the world with his girlfriend Serena. They journey to some ancient ruins in the desert. A voice calls out to him and he does battle with a lich. Upon overpowering the lich, he discovers the capital letters lich stone which he takes for his own. A bright light enters his body and creates a nexus of chaotic magic in him.
2: I, I also, love when that happens to me. <laughs> I, do Sarina, want to, I do want to point out that uh, uh, you have uh, already, uh, in the first scene of this um, <laughs> story, uh, <laughs> put in some epic drops. <laughs> he <laughs> kills the, the lich, and it drops purple
1: loot. <laughs> <laughs> he discovers the lich stone. He gets Which the is- lich stone. Which is probably a relic of me really liking lament of innocence
2: <laughs> is that gonna be are we get any wife um wife whip situations there's this is a wife guy for sure oh let's let's uh, go I'm very excited
1: uh also serena pricks her finger on a cursed sword
2: now that's a bad sign for her no
1: nah, no nah, it's not it's no good <laughs> well we'll we'll see um they return to the nearest city and over the next few days serena and everyone she comes in contact with falls ill but raced is seemingly immune
2: she's got the epic loot
1: yeah yeah uh, a local wizard identifies or in this case identifies the plague as being magical in origin and raced leaves serena in the city to travel to the divine triptych the three most powerful mages in the world um upon arriving he asks for help fixing the situation and in a bout of emotion his chaotic magic manifests itself
3: mm-hmm.
1: one of the triptych converses with him in private explaining how magic works race asks if he should be taught how to use magic but the mage explains that his magic is different it's unbound by spells and completely unstructured he would not be able to cast spells and instead he would manipulate the world directly and he, he explains that this magic is an antique an inefficient and dangerous mechanism. Uh, he's He reveals that Race has a natural talent for magic and is a naturally born mage. Uh,
2: okay, wait, so... Okay, alright, all right. I guess we'll have... I was going to ask questions, but I guess are the questions of the story. <laughs> um, so he's too old to begin the training.
1: <laughs> he's too old to begin the training. Um, the triptych refused him help in a vote of two to one the mage that was so kind to Race tells him that an old alchemist might be able to help him race travels to the alchemist and explains the nature of the plague the alchemist identifies the plague it had been used it had been designed to wipe out entire armies from one injured soldier and no cure was ever created so was the function of the cursed sword i suppose mm mm-hmm. The triptych quarantine the plagued city, <laughs> raising shining walls on all sides, and the people inside are left to die. Uh, Raist breaks through and finds Serena on her deathbed, and he holds her weeping. She urges him not to cry. She points out that everything is temporary. Raist refuses this idea, asserting that with enough strength, permanence can be achieved. In a moment of intense emotion, he harnesses his new magical power and freezes Serena in time, halting the pro- the progression of the plague. He leaves the city to look for a cure.
2: Is it possible to learn this power? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: Not from a
3: wizard.
2: <laughs> Not from a wraith stone. Is he... I guess i was Okay, you don't answer this because i shame the story but is he a naturally gifted mage, or is he the chosen one because he found a wraith stone?
1: A lich stone.
2: Yes, lich stone, please. sorry, I... I got confused. Lichstone. Well, you haven't sent me the thing. I'm, I have to remember every word you're saying. I don't have a text in front of me.
1: How do you think Raceless is spelled?
2: No, is it? I was. Okay, I was going R A C E L E S T or something.
1: R A E S T A L U S.
2: There we go. Raceless. Uh,
1: because Raced is also the abbreviation of the character Racelin from uh, Dragonlance. Oh, okay. Which is spelled a different way. But. Uh, so that's the end of part one. <laughs> okay.
3: <laughs> so part the-
2: one. Well, let me. Yes. Uh- he finds the thing she uh, trips and falls on a sword briefly um i assume in the when you wrote up the scene it would be more artful than "ow oh, shit someone left the sword here <laughs> um, and so the plague spreads uh he's got like a superpower and the wizard's like uh it's not uh the spoon that moves it is the world <laughs> that moves um and he's like in a world of uh i guess uh, I don't know what the term is, like, hard magic as uh, fucking fantasy nerds like to call it. Mm. He has mm-hmm. got, uh, like, Neo powers because he can manipulate the world directly. Uh, yes. So this is a unknown and scary power, and he has now used it uh, to uh, put his... Uh, wife—not wife, but he's a wife guy. They're not married, are they? I assume he's like young. No, yeah, they're not
1: married. They're—they they're, are ambiguous young right. fantasy characters. Yes. That's
2: how I was reading them. Yeah. Uh, and he puts her uh in the uh, Kingdom Hearts chamber from Chain of Memories. Um, he Mister freezes her. <laughs> he Mister freezes her with his chaos magic, which. Bilai is more control of his chaos magic than I thought he currently had. but So here's my question. I don't know if you had decided this. When he freezes her, was it like he has mastered the chaos magic and has chosen to freeze her? Or he has a desire and that desire expresses itself in the magic, I don't want her to die, but what he actually does is end up freezing her in a weird chaos bubble?
1: I think the latter because that's how... uh, So in Aragon the ways that dragons use magic is completely on instinct and they can't okay. really control it and so i think that's probably what i was channeling here of like just this it's fueled by emotion so he's like has this desire that is manifested by the magic outside of his full
2: control i i, I don't mind that i think that's i think i'm going to give young nora a point i like the like all you know my powers are so great and then I don't want my wife to die but now I just have a frozen wife around like <laughs> great monkey's poured curl. what a stupid thing to happen to me uh, okay let's continue with the summary so the second part <laughs> <laughs> it's yes
1: called how the world fell into
2: light <laughs> no it's not no it's fucking not okay uh, you remember that point I gave young Nora <laughs>
1: Yes, I remember it. It's I traded it. Take it away. No! <laughs> okay, <laughs> so we're going to start off with a banger here. <laughs> a really great sentence here. Um, Race has slowed his body's functions, prolonging his life par- far past that of a normal man's. That's a thing that he just does. <laughs> he goes back to the desert ruins. He finds this book of ancient magic, long forbidden by the triptych. He finds a way to achieve immortality. The energy required to do so, however, is impossible for one man to provide. He begins to grow stronger and eventually journeys to a nearby country. His influence spreads and he begins to take over. As After conquering that country, he uses his magic to create armies out of rock and fire and declares war on the world. A, uh, a quiet village is burned down and a young man loses his lover in the flames and vows revenge on Rhaestulus, now calling himself king. The youth gathers a large group of skilled warriors to rebel against this king. Rhaestulus asserts complete dominion over the continent, and he turns on the triptych and their legions of students, enslaving them, and begins to weave his magic. As the spell builds, all life begins to migrate toward his tower. Beasts stand braying at the sky, and forests combine into huge creatures. The area around this tower becomes a sea of life as all life is pulled in like a magnet. The youth finally confronts Racelis directly, and Race defeats him. The magic is finally finished, and a great light shines from the tower. Every life form on the planet merges into one shining being. Yes! It looks like. <laughs> It looks like Serena, but she glows like a star. Rastalus and the boy are spared from the conglomeration, but as they look upon the being, their eyes burn and their bodies are destroyed. A shockwave shoots out, wiping away every trace of human life on the planet, and the world is reset.
2: Now, 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 no, I need you at this moment, at this time, at this moment yes. to tell me, have you, at this age, watched Neon Genesis Evangelion? Yes, I have. Okay, good. Because I was gonna fucking <laughs> say... <laughs> She turns into the Big Ray. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, But shinier.
3: (laughs) She's already pretty shiny. (laughs)
1: Um, The being, which is capitalized, the being, floats above a dead world, orbited by two spirits, one red and one blue. The being shines even brighter and leaves the world, leaving only Ray and the boy as spirits lamenting their fates the spirits clash and fight a great storm forms as they cast their all at each other they fight for eons neither giving him but then lightning strikes a smoking pool both spirits feel a shift as life is born again into the world the youth steals this new life away creating a shell around the planet supported by huge beams on this new surface life begins anew this is the end of part two
2: Oh, okay. So the rebirth of the universe is the end of part two.
3: Yeah. So part
2: one is like a um I I like what young Nora is doing with scale here. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I, I was gonna say, um this did not was not the direction I expected it to go. When it, when it even started becoming like the Joker of the world, I was like, oh, okay. And then she'll wake up and be like, I hate you now. Um what have? Why have you become the evil Joker, mm, um, mm. or whatever? Uh, but instead, even Gallian happened.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, um. So he did manage immortality. I, I guess only for her, and it cost all life.
2: So she's now. So who are the two spirits?
1: And uh, the the race. The... Rastalus and the youth, the youth. the, the yes. like fantasy hero guy who tries to fight against the emperor and loses. And the two
2: spirits exist in the new universe.
1: Yes, they're left behind because uh, he god he god edits Serena and she pieces out.
2: And how is Ser- and Serena is in the new worlds also. So no, she's she's pieced out.
1: She ascended. She's she gone.
2: she's gone. So in the new eternity. They're the two spirits, the immortal guy and then the soul of the just, like, plucky Luke Skywalker guy. Yeah. Uh, And they're now going to have the battle for the fate of the new existence.
1: Uh, I think they're just, like, they just hate each other and uh, have nothing else to lose or gain and just fight for a long time.
2: Yeah, what do they want? Like, when the world's ended, and obviously uh, the world's, I don't... I don't necessarily know if sorry enough, you know this now, <laughs> 2021, yeah. uh, but I guess we can go to part three because I got some questions. <laughs> well, first we have an interlude.
1: Um, so this this part is called intervening years. At some point in the evolution of species, the Neanderthal and the Homo sapien coexist. However, Homo sapiens start to drive out the Neanderthals. A few of them discover a crack in the new surface and descend to the old world. There they conquer the supernatural creatures and domesticate many fantastical creatures. They eventually take over the entirety of the old planet. In parallel to the Homo sapiens, they begin to advance both biologically and culturally with an entirely independent language, religion, and myth.
2: They call themselves the Orca. (laughs) Wait is the old world <laughs> under the new world yes you've made hyron uh i guess you've do- you've done a hyron but if-, if
1: it was a if if hyron wasn't flat
2: so is it a sphere inside a sphere yes
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah okay
2: yes. it's
1: uh smt4 also a little bit but So, the next, now we start part three, which is Young People in an Old City, part one. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) There's just a lot coming at me really fast with this one. So, we're just going to jump right in. Cale Thorne is a young man of 20. He has a little sister, Allison, whom he loves very much. His best friends are just... (laughs) a new recruit in the local police force, and Samantha, the secret object of his affections. They live in a quiet suburb north of Dallas, Texas. Okay. (laughs) Would you like to know where I grew up?
2: Um, now, I have a guess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Was it a quiet suburb south of Dallas, Texas? (laughs) No, it
1: was actually north of Dallas,
2: Texas. Oh, Oh, weird, okay. I didn't know if you'd like mix that one up a little. No, not in the slightest.
1: Uh, one night, Cale embarks on a mini road trip to a nearby lake named Innsmouth.
3: <laughs> it's named Innsmouth? It's named Innsmouth. No, it's
1: not. <laughs> we don't have a lake named Innsmouth
2: near Dallas.
3: Because you were such a fucking
2: nerd. <laughs> I was on. But I was like, you know what? I think the way in which you did the fake Evangelion with all the like, the, they're mixing in some like body horror, d- different to the Eva stuff. because Eva stuff is all, oh, the LCL element, but like all the trees merging together with the people in a physical way. oh it was good, nice touch. I like it. Now you've gone <laughs> <laughs> to your hometown, but what if Lovecraft was there? And so... a st- this is a step back. This <coughs> is a step back. This is my
1: sort of. What I remember about this is like I had a bunch of disparate ideas and wanted to like meld them all into one cohesive like story. So when
2: you say ideas, you mean shows you have seen and books you've read. <laughs> <laughs> Which to be fair, that's what ideas are. I I mean, yes, talk us a voice. Yes. That is that is how things work. Uh
1: so he embarks on a mini road trip to a nearby lake named Innsmouth. He parks his car near the waters. He sleeps in his car, relaxing in the void of nature. Uh, Kale finds himself in the realm of the youth. He encounters the youth and they form a pact. The youth shows him the way back to the surface and grants Kale a fragment of his power. However, the power comes with a price. Every time it's used, the youth gains a bit of influence over him. If Kale is unable to hold him back, he will merge with him, taking over his body. Okay. Kale returns home and uses his new powers to give his sister an incredible birthday party.
2: (laughs) After... (laughs) Here are my elemental powers of creation. Use them wisely, otherwise you may become one uh, with the eternal godness of my being through strength of power alone. Thank you, mate. I will use that. To get my uh, daughter a nice cake, <laughs> sister.
1: <laughs> After watching her favorite movie, he takes her outside and carries her on his shoulders, piggyback style. He runs super. <laughs> he runs super fast to the lake. <laughs> Once there, he takes her hand and they walk on the surface of the water. When they get to the center of the lake, he stops. Um. I forgot about all of this shit. Kale knows from reading some of her poems and songs that her lifelong dream is to have wings. He uses his power to create wings of light for her, and she takes to the sky, and he follows her. They fly around for a while in the moonlight.
3: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> After the strain of using magic to affect another person, the youth gains enough influence to physically manifest to Kale. He tells Kale his version of his story, that he was a brave young revolutionary who fought against the evil tyranny of a powerful ruler. This mysterious and nameless ruler had the power to evoke great and terrible things, deadly beasts and the dead themselves. He tried to challenge the nature of life by seeking eternal life for himself at the cost of his subjects' lives. Uh, But the youth interfered, causing an imbalance in the ruler's ritual. There was a great explosion and all but a few were killed. The survivors, with the youth's help, created a new surface layer over the planet. Youth tells Kale that uh, the evil leader's spirit remains below, crafting horrible monstrosities. He follows Kale around as a shimmering blue specter, but nobody else can see him.
2: Hello, I'm Ori, from Ori, the Ori games. (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) I will point out
1: we are on page four of ten.
2: Uh, how many parts you so say there were three parts? There were
1: four parts. Okay. Some of these have way more thought put, in, quote unquote, thought put into them than others. Uh, after leaving class one day, Kale is approached by a man in a suit. He tells Kale that he's being watched, and if he makes another spectacle, there will be consequences. Kale asks who he is, and the man responds with, You'll see. <laughs> Kale hangs out with Justin and Samantha. Justin is a huge movie buff and it rubs off on the other two a little bit every weekend they get together (laughs) to share a movie and a couple beers the movie of the week is Seven Samurai (laughs) Oh, I see (laughs) Um, and Samantha is more interested in the internet than the film (laughs) it's not an unusual occurrence when it's Justin's turn to pick the movie
2: incredible I'm trying to post I can't watch Seven Samurai (laughs)
1: From Samantha, Kale discovers that his powers were caught on film. The tapes weren't viral over the internet. <laughs> um, while walking Samantha, Homie asks if she would like to fly like the videos on the internet. <laughs> he offers her his hand and asks her not to freak out. And they fly, but much more slowly than in the videos. They land in the park in a field of Dandelions. Kale summons a gentle breeze and millions of seeds float around the pair.
2: <laughs> it's very romantic.
1: Um, I feel
2: like he should stop wasting these fucking powers that he only <laughs> has a limited amount of before his entire essence is consumed.
1: Um, they see a shooting star and Kale pulls the comet to earth in the blink of an eye. He takes the comet and casts a spell on the ice. Um, it links to him and he will nev- it will never melt so long as he lives. He gives it to her and tries to kiss her, but she rejects him and they have a fight. They part ways and Samantha leaves the ball of ice on the ground. The next day, Samantha is walking by the lake to relax after the fight with Kale. She uh, arrives and is visited by an orange ghost who silently motions for her to follow him. Samantha follows the ghost and it leads her through the folds of space. They appear in the underworld. The once great and mystical beings who live below have since been decimated and domesticated by the descendants of Neanderthals. They have tamed the inherently malevolent beasts. The entirety of the old world is under their control except for one place, a mountain that reaches up to the ceiling of the world. It's a volcano? They have
2: tamed the inherently malevolent (laughs) beasts. I'd like to... um... (laughs) Put a pin in that line, and yeah. uh, maybe explore some of the <laughs> assumptions that it's making, just as an idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. What the f- fuck? <laughs> I guess uh, we we're all we're, we all don't know what uh, like imperialism is uh, <laughs> when we're um, in twenty twelve. <clears throat> no,
1: see, all those things were things that the youth created, and so they are evil because he's bad? Question Whoa. mark.
2: Well, they not the things the youth created. They're things that the the guy created, Ray- Raylist, right? Right. I don't know. The youth. The youth is shit. on the top. The youth is on top. Mm-hmm. He sealed the. He sealed the thing. He's with yes. the other guy. And no. mm, yes. Yes. Am I wrong? Because yes. I like
1: I said, Stilus, created the monsters to conquer the world.
2: Yes, and then the Neanderthals yes. went down and had a different evolutionary path, and they've got a and bunch of orcs like now. and they're orcs now. Yes.
1: <clears throat> or orca, orcs. Uh, a mountain that reaches up to the ceiling of the world it's a volcano and its heat follows a series of narrow gaps upward to the seabed of the human world there is a cave at its base and within it lurks a powerful fire spirit according to the natives Samantha braves the cave secretly being watched within she finds a throne of molten, molten rock a shadowy wisp is seated upon it It calls out to her in an unfamiliar language, recognizing her confusion, the spirit changes to an aged dialect of English and comments that his English is likely a few centuries out of date. Uh, Samantha asks about the nature of the underground world and the spirit. It explains everything. He tells her that the youth is poisoning her friend's mind. He tells her that the youth will attempt to reunite the two worlds so that he can come into contact with him. Uh if the two spirits come together, the <laughs> being the being will reappear, ending the world.
2: <laughs> so why are uh, you trying to was... do that? well, <laughs> <laughs> I've really lost track of what the like <laughs> character of the youth is meant to represent. I get the evil guy he's evil, he was like he found the stone, the Lich stone, and then he got too much unlimited power uh and he didn't even go in <laughs> normal stuff, uh yeah, but the youth you wants to stop him. And then, like, creates a new protected world. away. So he's, like, this benevolent creator type, but now he wants to end the world again? What? Uh, Well,
1: Raystilus tells her that he's he's wasting away and wants to pass on his story before he loses himself. If Samantha will join with him and take his story, he will help her save Kale from the youth's influence. And Samantha agrees. Okay. I think I just thought that the youth was bad when I wrote this. And but I also,
2: Raceless is. Raceless might be lying. I think I've. Sorry. I, I think Larace is just lying to this to Samantha. Because he's the evil one, right?
1: He's the evil emperor, but he was my favorite character. So I might have been making. <laughs> trying to do a, a clever subversion where the evil emperor was actually good.
2: But he's not. He killed everyone for, like, a fake immortality. Yes. Okay.
1: As Kale is walking the next day, the suited man approaches him. He tells Kale that the comet has already been filmed and gone viral on the internet. (laughs) The man explains that these videos have awakened the idea in people's minds that magic is real, when the basic fundamental belief that magic is fiction keeps those born with the talent from being able to use it. He says that because of Kale there may be someone whose new powers will emerge and that such an event would cause a chain reaction bringing a chaotic worldwide upheaval and that Kale's actions have put the world at risk. He introduces himself as Adler. He tells Kale his story that long ago his direct ancestor Sebastian was a knight of King Arthur's table. There was an accident and misuse of magic nearly caused the end of the world. Merlin, the greatest wizard of his age, cast an illusion upon men that made them lose belief in magic. Legends that had been treasured and remembered soon became bedtime stories for children. Merlin gave Sebastian a mission, to hunt down and eliminate any trace of magic or people that used it. Sebastian's existence was stripped from every record and his family hunted the paranormal for centuries. I really liked Castlevania.
2: <laughs> Here's the thing I must ask. Was this all yes. meant to be one book? Uh, no? <laughs> okay. I want to say no. Because these are so wild. The the journey <laughs> this has gone... It's it's not the scope of it. Because I know, like, uh-huh. this kind of epic cycles of life fantasy stuff is, like, you know, that's a fairly sad thing. It's the part where this part three has been longer than parts one and two put together and isn't even done. So, like, part one would have been, like, three chapters. I guess this is JoJo's. I think the thing I was
1: going for is that I knew more about these later parts, so I wrote more, and that I would eventually flesh out the earlier two So, the, the somehow. thing, that you were meant to have a full
2: fancy novel about the plague. Yes? 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 <laughs> um
1: these are great questions you're asking (laughs) uh kale dismisses the man's claim he accuses him of crippling humanity by denying them what they are really capable of he asks under what authority that he and his people are stifling mankind and points out that people should be able to be whoever they are born to be not be stagnant and unchanging The man responds by saying that Kale and most people wouldn't understand. Humans aren't mature enough to handle the powers of magic responsibly. He uses the atomic bomb as an example. (laughs) Humans lost access to magic for a reason, because humanity is immature. Um, He says that if Kale will not stand down and submit, he will break him with all the effort of twitching a finger. He threatens to destroy everything Kale values. He acknowledges he's unable to hurt Kale, but he can hurt the people he loves, and that is often the same thing. He tells Kale that he doesn't need magical powers to take him down. He uh, he re- also reveals he has captured Allison, his sister.
2: So he's oh. like, "Oh, I'm the cool <coughs> Belmont clan uh, yes. anti-Dracula force, but yes. I'm also but... the Joker who kidnapped your sister." And my plan I... isn't like I have super like. <laughs> so he does the Batman thing of I've got a contingency plan for everyone, but he's realized that the easiest plan is just to kill whoever's closest to someone. <laughs> yes
1: okay and have you seen prison break no (laughs) okay i think i know the guy that i was thinking of when i wrote this character he's a guy from prison break (laughs) that doesn't help me at all but uh i guess that that's funny (laughs) um people i don't remember his name right now but he's like i think he's like, a detective who, like, tries to track them down in the second season and then ends up in jail with them in the third season? <laughs>
2: I should watch Prison Break. <laughs> yeah. Prison Break is oh, now stupid. It's great. Uh, it's fucking fantastic. Can we get out of the prison? And then they get out of the prison. And then society is <laughs> the prison. And then they're back in the prison. <laughs> uh, and then
1: in the... Uh, whatever.
2: not gonna what's the fourth season of prison break i don't know i don't know what the fourth season of prison break is
1: i know what it is i just haven't finished it yet i've tried twice and i haven't uh, finished it no i just stopped watching like i watched it with certain people and then when i stopped hanging out with those people oh yeah that'll happen never never finished uh where's my fault i just lost the okay uh He reveals he has captured Allison. Adler draws a gun and holds it to Allison's head. Uh,
2: Meanwhile. (laughs) When he has captured Allison, I was like, oh, she'll be in some safe room somewhere else. Uh, Not like in his car, (laughs) 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 waiting. Like, you gotta stay there.
1: I also thought that as I was reading this. (laughs) In the underworld, Samantha joins with the shade. Their memories merge. With her new power, Samantha is able to sense where the youth is. She senses that his strength is growing, and Raystilus urges her to confront him. In the city streets, the tension grows. At last, Kale makes a move, attempting to strike the man from behind with a rock. The man immediately dodges, leaving Allison to be struck instead, and it breaks her spine. As Kale runs to her, the suited man takes cover and readies his gun. Uh, I guess, th- he literally the Joker, because the... The Joker thing, yep. With the gun,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. I don't remember who that character is, but you know the one. Yes, I do. Uh, Kale loses control when he holds Allison. His great his grief causes an imbalance, great enough for the youth to take over. <clears throat> Dark clouds begin to form over the city, and howling winds rip through the streets. And lightning reaches out like a phantom hand. On the heel of a thunderclap, Samantha appears. Samantha commands Kale to surrender so she can banish the spirit from him. Kale speaks and reveals that he's actually the youth, and Kale is gone. Samantha and Kale fight. The ground shakes, and buildings start to collapse. Adler takes Allison, who's clinging to life, and flees. The military arrives to subdue the two combatants. Enraged, Kale slaughters them along with anyone else he can find. The damage caused by the pair reaches a a certain threshold, and other members of Adler's clan take action.
2: What does the youth want? Why is he destroying the world?
1: Dallas, Texas is destroyed in a nuclear blast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, is
2: that the next sentence? That's the, that's the next sentence at the end of part three. <laughs> that's a lot of passive voice. Well, what nuclear blast?
1: How? How? <laughs> Well, the other members of Adler's clan take action. Dallas, Texas
2: is destroyed in a nuclear blast. Sorry, I thought he was the fucking Belmonts who. Let me remind <laughs> you, don't have a nuke. <laughs> they have whips.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what if the Belmonts were like government uh, guys? Is he
2: a government guy? Are they are they government? They also the X Files. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you can decide, you wrote this, so the person that used to be you who was writing this is dead and has now become you, the present you, and therefore you can make any exact decisions about this.
1: But until we finish this story, I can't alter the course of history.
2: (laughs) Only when we are done can we decide Mm. what we want to keep. (laughs)
3: Okay,
1: one more part. Let's go. One more part. We're on page seven of ten. This is Young People in an Old City Part 2.
2: I don't know why it's called that, because the city's gone. You could have Uh, just written Young People in an Old City without two unrelated fantasy stories.
1: no but where do the spirits come from to give them superpowers so that chronicle can happen
2: I was gonna say this sounds like chronicle oh right it is 2012 <laughs> this is fucking chronicle I was, I was like oh <laughs> it was a, a weird pull to start talking about chronicle cause <laughs> no one's seen that movie and it was like just a little you know it was when I was uh 18 I, no one remembers chronicle uh, I but really it, liked that movie at the time me too <laughs> Because because you like the guy. He's, like, abused and he's sad. You want him to see better. But then he becomes the Joker and you're like, oh, no, it's sad now that he's the Joker. And, you know, you haven't seen Akira, so you think it's cool. Uh
1: (laughs) I had seen Akira. And I was like, wow, this is just like Akira. I like both of these things.
2: Uh, Yeah, I I also remember really liking Chronicle. So, great. This is great.
1: (laughs) So, 12 days later, Samantha climbs out of the rubble. The shield that she produced took a large toll on her. Rastalus has a good amount of influence over her, allowing her to see his ghost following her. Her right eye is colored gold from the magic. Okay. Uh, Samantha moves north and dyes her hair like she always wanted to. She moves in with her old friend Emily. Emily lives in an apartment in a city north of Dallas somewhere with her boyfriend Ray. Ray is an aspiring musician and is a member of a band called Centroid of the Mechanism.
2: Hang on, I must ask a question: How north? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because it's not like they just left Dallas. It was destroyed in a nuclear blast. It was destroyed in a <laughs> nuclear blast, <laughs> and I can imagine that would have some ramifications on the surrounding cities uh, in in Texas. <laughs> uh, it's north. Where, where's Dallas? Let's look. Are they still in, in Texas? Te- are, are they still in, are they still in uh, <laughs> yes,
3: Texas?
1: Yes, I think they're
2: still in Texas. Okay, so how much north... How much, I'm just going to scroll up from Dallas. Okay, Dallas is in, like, north... Te- no, Dallas is north Texas. There's nothing. There's, yes. no, there's nothing north of... They might live in Gainesville. <laughs> that's
1: where my uh, stepdad's parents live.
2: Now, I'm looking at this map, and I think if there was a nuclear blast <laughs> that wiped yeah. out Dallas... I would have web- to live, live in Gainesville.
1: There's a website where you can overlay different like ranges of like nuclear explosions in their affected areas over any part of the globe. So you can you can like you can measure that. I don't remember what that website's called, but
2: uh the most northern major city uh near Dallas uh is Oklahoma City. Please tell me yes. they're in Oklahoma City. <laughs>
1: Uh, I didn't define this, but I guess it stands to reason that they're in Oklahoma City, unless they're in Amarillo. Uh,
2: Amarillo is not- I have to scroll in further to get Amarillo,
1: Amarillo is in the Panhandle.
2: Okay. I think it's farther north than Dallas. Well then, uh, I- I- uh, after- It's Oklahoma- also way to the west. Okay, yes, so I'm looking literally directly up. It's Oklahoma City, <laughs> and then Wichita- <laughs> 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 and then, is there anything else? North, or is this just. Uh, there's Lincoln. There's Omaha. And it's very little uh, else. This is just. I'll point a- out that. The centroid of the mechanism
1: is a phrase from Treasure Planet. They've got a band with
2: a Treasure Planet reference.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh,
2: yes. Great.
1: Uh, guess what movie I really liked?
2: <laughs> is it Titan AE?
1: Yes, but also
2: a Treasure Planet. <laughs> also Treasure Planet. Uh I'm just scrolling in and looking in at uh what Google has layered over in pink. The city boundaries of Dallas. Yeah. These are why is there a gap? There's just a hole in the middle. What?
3: Let
2: me see. Oh. This this looks there. like some gerrymandering redistricting, we don't want to pay taxes <laughs> shit going on here.
1: Yeah, uh... Park I, Cities.
2: I, Apparently Park Cities is a different city or something. I can't tell. Anyway, we can carry on. I'm just looking at Dallas on Google Maps and being confused. Uh, I didn't mean to derail over no, this. Oh,
1: it's fine. What is this? I never knew about this. Park cities is a term used in reference to two communities in Dallas County, the town of Highland Park and the city of University Park. The two municipalities which share a border are surrounded by the city of Dallas and comprise an enclave.
2: That's not how cities work. You can't be inside a city and not be in the city. <clears throat> this is some, we are, We want to not pay tax to the city <clears throat> of Dallas shit going on uh, here.
1: Scrolling down, I see the fact that says that you can do that, which is racial makeup, 95% white.
2: Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, word.
1: Yeah. So that's probably the deal. Um, median income, males in excess of 100,000.
2: Of Course. It's a city called Mesquite. I thought that up. Mesquite. Mesquite. Uh, yeah, that is I also lived there for a long time. in Dallas, uh, yes. but is clearly another rich people live here, and we want a different city to be incorporated.
1: I, uh, I don't know that any rich people live in Mesquite. Okay, I
2: can't tell, but I'm just going off the map because there's Dallas yeah. to the left of it, Dallas to the right. And here I am stuck in Mesquite. Yeah, stuck in yeah. the of that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so. <clears throat> Uh, Syndrome of the Mechanism. Yes, yes, okay, let's go. They
1: play in an abandoned church because they can't afford anything else, and the city doesn't kick them out.
2: Like in Disco I... Elysium!
3: <laughs> They're hardcore! <I> definitely... <laughs> They're hardcore!
1: Samantha rests and tries to move on with her life. At her new job in a bookstore called Corner Down, Samantha meets Christine, an amateur philologist. <laughs> <laughs> a what? Oh, uh,
2: philologist? I'm looking Phil- that up. What does that mean? Log- Studies Stardews- languages. Okay. But they're an amateur philologist.
1: Oh, right. I read a book about J.R.R. Tolkien at this point in my life. Damn, of course <laughs> you fucking did. <laughs> I remember it, too. It was called Author of the Century. It was about Tolkien, and I thought it was a good book. Okay. Uh... This is just like a list of the shit that I had recently consumed.
2: (laughs) Please continue with the summary. There is no escape now. We are so close. Um,
1: No, yeah. Uh, Right. An amateur philologist and becomes infatuated with her. Samantha begins going by Sam at Christine's insistence. Uh Adler arrives in Sam City. Stripped of his rank after the incident in Dallas, he seeks redemption. After becoming aware of a paranormal presence in Sam City, he goes to investigate.
2: What's happened a to the si- of- what's happened to the sister? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um a series of unexplained murders arouse Sam's suspicions and she starts roaming the streets at night. <laughs>
2: Does she have a plan, or is she just like, there's a lot of murder around here, I'm gonna roam the streets. <laughs> well, uh,
1: aided by restless, she discovers evidence of orca involvement.
2: <gasps> <laughs> remember the orcs? They're relevant. They're back, they're in, um, Wichita, or <laughs> <laughs> wherever they are. They're
3: Oklahoma City. Oklahoma
2: City! <laughs>
1: Orklahoma City.
3: Oh
1: <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Sam travels back to the underworld and is ambushed by Orca. <laughs> struggling unconscious, I didn't realize until now that uh, Orca whales
2: exist. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I was like, "Hang on." <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh. On the surface, Adler confronts Christine. He subdues her and takes a sample of her blood and reveals that she has fey blood. Mistaking her for the presence previously indicated, he takes her to his superiors to prove his worth. Um, his car... Adler's car is forced to pull over when a large rock crashes into it.
2: <laughs> he emerges to find a I whole- would not describe <laughs> that as forced to pull over, but uh, go on. Um, He emerges to find a hulking figure blocking his path. It's an Orcan shaman. Oh, shit, it's an Orcan shaman! (laughs) Giant and shaman. Amazing.
1: Adler tosses the vial of fey blood to the shaman to secure his escape. He attempts to leave with Christine, but the shaman demands the full supply of her blood. He drinks the small sample, gaining its power.
2: This is so good.
1: (laughs) Adler um forces christine down and draws his gun he and the shaman exchange bullet and spell constantly trying to flank each other their fight spills into a nearby construction site christine manages to get away and hide and after a game of cat and mouse the shaman gets the drop on adler and knocks him out in the underworld sam awakens tied to a post on a cliff edge the orca are standing a good distance behind her before she can get her bearings, a great beast emerges. She has been taken as a sacrifice. Uh, the beast grabs her and it moves to devour her, but stops as an orange spectre appears. Back in his own realm, Racilus is able to fully manifest. He appears as the great fire spirit that the Orca revere. The blinding light of his flames shines from Sam's eyes, and the creature screams in agony and releases her. <laughs> Uh the Orca hail her as a hero for dismissing this beast. They accept her as one of their own, and Sam learns that their most powerful shaman climbed to the top of the fiery volcano and braved the heat, emerging from the sea floor. <laughs> the Orca have long been at the mercy of the Fey Folk, a subrace of Orca. What this Shaman <laughs> What <laughs> Hang on what? <laughs> Yeah, what's your. Do you have some questions? Did you, was this not clear? What's going on with the Faith Folk? <laughs> they are, uh, I guess elves, and they are, uh, oppressing orcs.
2: But I they're guess. also evolved from orcs, <clears throat> who are evolved yes. from, like, the same roots as people, because. Yes. Okay.
1: The shaman named Nor. G-N-O-R, left to seek out a sample of fey blood. This beast that has been ravaging their society had been summoned by the fey, and the orca had been forced to render many tributes to it under penalty of death. They knew their only hope lay in the blood of their enemy, and they knew had ventured beyond their own world. Uh, The orca brings Sam to their leader. He shows her a pool of water and uses it to scry Nor. Sam sees his fight with Adler and Christine's capture. Nor is planning to use Christine in a ritual which will infuse him with her blood, giving him the strength to destroy the Fae. To this end, he brings her to the coast, and on a cliff overlooking the sea, he prepares his ritual. <clears throat> uh, page 9. I am the so, rises, lost.
2: so I've, I have I have followed <laughs> it this far, but now... Yes. I'm lost. <laughs> what what part did you lose? All
1: of it. <laughs> so they want to get the Fey blood. Yeah, but why? And so that they can overthrow the Fey.
2: Why do I care? Because <coughs> this- that's what's on screen. Yeah, but this story was about five minutes ago about Sam <laughs> and the the youth and Raylus <clears throat> and the 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 thing that was originally what the story was about. 7,000 years and a whole world ago I'm so yes. confused this is incredible I could never have stuck I, I know it sounds worry I'm being kind of rude but I'm like I'm mostly just joking for fun I could never have stuck with anything this long I would always just give up before it became this bananas this is great
1: as the sun rises Nor moves to cut Christine's throat and begin the ritual but he's interrupted when the beast emerges from the sea with Sam on its back its body is covered in black tendrils, and its head is a gaping skeletal face. <clears throat> oh, okay. This is a this is an angel. Uh, when it moves, it can change the consistency of its limbs from a thick sludge to a hard scale-like surface, and anything in between. It's the it's the angel from yeah from from Evangelion uh, from uh, Rebuild Two, the end of Rebuild Two,
3: the
2: end of Rebuild Two. Oh yeah, that one.
1: The black tendrils, and its head is a gaping skeletal face.
2: I mean, that's the first angel. <clears throat>
1: But no, the last one with the with the with the mummy rolls.
2: The- oh, but that cause that one like hey, its arms go from like flappy to just like sheets of glass.
1: Yeah. That's probably what I was doing. Okay. That's probably the thing I was stealing. At Sam's instruction, the beast lunges forward. As Nora and the beast fight, Adler is walking along the beach toward them. <laughs> <laughs> He's chilling. <laughs> He is chilling <laughs> their fight carries nor away from the cliff where Christine is held. adler looks out over the sea and watches as nor and the beast do bow and raises his hands uh, the surface of the water churns a feminine hand emerges from the sea holding a gleaming sword it, the hand throws the sword and it flies into adler's hand a shooting star streaks across the sky it abruptly changes course and strikes the ground near adler and appears to be a mace Adler is enveloped in a silvery aura as he catches the sword. Uh, He swings it twice, and a split second later, the beast is split in twain. Uh, As the beast dies, the three warriors converge on the beach. Recognizing Sam from before, Adler decides to help her to defeat Um. So, Adler wields the ancient blade of Arthur, and the primeval mace, Sharer... Sharer... Uh, I had to look this up, and I don't know how to say it, but it is a Acadian uh like, mythical weapon that flies and can speak. Uh, okay. Excalibur was cool, but what if you could dual-wield it with something else?
2: <laughs> what if I could dual-wield Excalibur, but, like, Arthurian stuff was a side mm. mythology in my own different mythology. Yes. Like, Arthurians have happened in the history of between part two and part three, but only because the world happened.
1: Uh, Sam receives Rastalus' skill with knives, which we all know he's a wizard with knives, and, uh, (laughs) literally, and fights with twin daggers of magma, and Nor fights with spell and scepter. The battle rages, causing a huge spectacle, and a crowd (laughs) gathers nearby...
2: (laughs) Oh, not much to look at here in Oklahoma City (laughs) with this beach. Also, we went to the
1: sea, which is uh, impossible to do in Oklahoma City.
2: Or any city north of Dallas. (laughs) (laughs) That's not where the sea is maybe i meant
1: houston or uh galveston or something you
2: could have said south of that maybe you meant south of dallas you know southeast of dallas (laughs) south north
1: they're pretty similar
3: this is so funny um (laughs) Um,
1: at length nor manages to grab adler and dash him against the rocks the blade of arthur is lost and embeds itself in the ground with Nora's attention on Sam and Adler, Christine's bonds fade. She stands and sees the fight. Adler fights on with the mace, his right arm useless at his side. He's summarily defeated.
3: <laughs>
1: Nora turns oh, to Sam. <laughs> Nora turns to Sam and starts to overwhelm her defenses. he. Sl- he <laughs> oh no, my defenses are being overwhelmed. <laughs> He's slowly ground. <laughs> I guess that's supposed to be he slowly gains ground. Uh, soon sam is knocked to the ground and nor stands over her he raises his hand to deliver the the killing blow but christine draws excalibur from the rocks and a blinding light bursts out of the blade and flames engulf her she fights through the pain and, and attacks fueled by her termina- her determination the blade hurls a blast of silvery flame that demolishes nor's defenses the blade then explodes throwing christine backward the force of the blow knocks, knocks Nor off balance, and Sam drives her dagger into his throat. Nor burns. Three weeks later, oh, good, <laughs> Sam wakes up in a hospital bed. Looking to her right, she sees Christine, whose hands and arms are scarred from magical fire. The two talk, and Sam asks why Christine did what she did. And Christine confesses a romantic interest in Sam. Adler enters the hospital room with his arm in a sling accompanied by a girl in a wheelchair, Alison Thorne. Okay, so that... that Right here under that, uh, it says Young People in an Old City Part 3 coming soon.
2: Yes, 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 it's... Yes, fuck yes. Because I was like, what happened to Alison? Um, And Um, she's right there. So... Is that it? Here's the thing. That's... No. Whoa! Because, because
1: the number three was so important. So I have some notes here about another third era of this epic.
2: Where's the youth, <clears throat> by the way? Did, that, did I get confused? I lost him. I lost the youth in all those. Uh, maybe he died in the nuclear explosion at Dallas. I guess that's the last time he was really involved. They, maybe they just took him <clears throat> out.
1: Uh, In the future, all sapient life exists in a threefold world. The underworld, land of Orca and Fae. The surface world, where humanity reigns. And the virtual world, connecting the two. Both humans (laughs) and their beastly cousins have advanced to the point of artificial augmentation. The real world is reduced to the desktop of one's mental computer. One can simply bring up an entirely new world over the real one. With all the ease of the internet available to anyone... Face to face communication becomes a sort of ritual reserved for extremely important occasions, and writing by hand has all but died out. Nowadays people use the language of computers to create things in the virtual world. These three worlds are known as the triptych.
2: God damn it. <laughs> I, I I gotta say, the one of the most surprising parts is that you wrote this in twenty twelve and not two thousand and one. <laughs> This has a really early 2000s energy to all of
3: (laughs) it.
1: Yeah, probably because all the shit I was stealing from is from the early (laughs) 2000s. Except Chronicle, which had just come out. Except (laughs) Chronicle! Except Chronicle, which I saw on Netflix like three weeks prior. (laughs) Uh, The last sentence on this document is, A digital spirit begins to haunt the virtual world.
2: Did you ever write like the actual books or any like no, like a cha- no. chapter?
1: I have some scenes somewhere. Okay, some very very brief snippets of like Sam interacting with Ray Stiless as a ghost,
2: which is like book four of five. <laughs> uh,
1: three or four, depending on what. Depending the on what, I think it was supposed on. to be four. I think it was supposed to be four of five. But that's five to get through the second era with the third cyberpunk era to as yet undefined. But it would feature a spirit that would, like, use the internet magically to so kill people.
2: I have... Okay, so I have a series of questions. <clears throat> yes. Here is my first. Uh-huh. Uh, what the fuck was that with the Lich Stone? <laughs> Did that matter? <laughs> <laughs> Who was the Lich? <laughs> I don't <laughs> <laughs> It was a witch. Because I was, I was like, look at that. I mean, what the deal for It just went off and said, "You know what? This is incredible." The directions <laughs> this went off in, I was not prepared for how. Because so, I have my own <clears throat> stories that I've, you know, planned and never written. Because I've also been a teenager mm. who wants the right things and then, you know, is lazy. Uh, it happens to the best of us none of them go off like this i've never <laughs> been this like i know people like this is a genre i th- i guess i just don't read that much fantasy uh so all my ideas were like and then star wars happens <laughs> uh or the, the big series i was uh planning for years was like um uh, i was like what if lord of the rings and code geass were the same thing <laughs> was my plan <laughs> that sounds
1: incredible I- Ugh but yeah, I had this, like, modern, like, urban fantasy shit in my head. And I was also thinking about, like, this character of Rastalus that I had come up with. Um, I actually have another... I have a, it, He's from a short story um, where, like, he is... In love with a princess and then gets, like, arrested for some... Kind of crime, and then when he uh, becomes this powerful mage, he like takes revenge by like killing her kingdom or something. I don't know. That I wrote when I was sixteen.
2: Incredible.
1: Um, when I was
2: sixteen, I totally ripped off Code and Cambria and tried to write a concept album about space.
1: I felt like discovering this again. I felt like oh, this is this is kind of cohedium.
2: A little bit, no coed stuff is too like the thing, okay, here's the thing with this is that uh yeah, a lot of people's when they come up with law, right uh uh-huh. it's about formal rules, <clears throat> and the sure, way those yeah. rules uh kind of interlock with each other, mm-hmm. and that's not what you've done, you've done the <laughs> like. Yeah this is the Tolkien thing. If I've created a like mythology of ages and reconfigured the world multiple times across these like epic melodramas of uh well I guess just the one melodrama actually.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> there is a different
1: version of this draft um that I think in the second era um in the second act when the two spirits fight. They just, like, fight against each other and then, like, life evolves and they, like, use that against each other through millions of cycles of, like, sentient life evolving and then wiping itself out. And, like, they just go on for untold years until, uh, our world is real.
2: Incredible. <laughs> <clears throat> but not quite our world, because the orca are on the underworld.
1: Yeah. Um, so clearly I was seeing
2: Raceless as a hero, despite him, uh, killing all of life. That's my confusion, um, is like, okay, so then, Raceless <laughs> starts out as, like, the the fancy hero, but then he becomes Anakin Skywalker, and he goes mad evil, and ends the world doing an Evangelion. Uh, and now yeah. he's, like, the dark spirit haunting the world, but that's not true, because the, the Orcas were the bad guys, and they just evolved differently, they don't really, like... Have if in fact, well, no, because the orcas were the orcas on the were back. They had the Fae. They had a, their own conflict with the Fae's on the Underworld. Mm-hmm. Um, and Raceless was just like,
0: uh,
2: mm-hmm. what's the, what's uh, this is the thing that happens in stories a lot. Name me any story where like someone's got their like cool ghost that like hangs with them. He's like someone's pet spirit, basically.
1: Shadow of Mordor.
2: Yeah, he's basically he is literally the Shadow of Mordor guy. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> This is
3: yes. all he's
2: like. Uh, what if you can have your your own personal Joker spirit inside you? Uh, probably doing some like kind of shitty like asides as uh, she makes the good decisions, I assume. because mm-hmm. yeah. he's edgy. I, I keeping track of who time... was meant to be good guy and bad guy code at any given time was so much... Because it wasn't like, all the, the messiness of the conflict has eroded uh, the, the lines between good and bad. It was like, this guy's cool, but now he's kidnapped a child. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I remember saying to my friend something about this being... And this is kind of glossed over because I don't know if you remember that the youth lost his his lover when the king uh, burned down his village.
2: I do. That's why and he I wants remember, revenge.
1: I remember thinking about this as a cycle of... Of guys going joker mode because their girlfriends die.
2: You're the first one to ever have this idea. And
1: then uh, Sam is different and she breaks the cycle by being a lesbian.
2: This is amazing. <laughs> uh,
1: I was... Yeah, there's also a little bit of this that is like... I was really thinking about the... like about being a lesbian at the time. <laughs> I've heard um, this about you. <laughs> <laughs> and now this was three years before I would uh, act on those thoughts and become a lesbian.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, I was definitely thinking a lot about what is a lesbian?
2: <laughs> a measurable pile of secrets. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Um... And that's, that's kind of funny. Um, I was so invested in this at the time. Uh, I was like, oh, this is, this is sick. This is so cool. She's gonna like have a cool ghost hang out with her and be like mildly sardonic while she lives her life. And it's gonna be
2: cool because no one else can see the ghost. No. <laughs> What did the government do when uh, Dallas got destroyed by a nuclear (laughs) bomb? How did that affect the surrounding
1: area? That's a great question. I don't know. Well, you see, 12 days later, Samantha emerged
2: from the rubble. (laughs) That is (laughs) true. She did emerge from the rubble 12 (laughs) days later. But apparently the the youth was not so lucky. Maybe he would have come back in part three. Oh, I mean, the triptych back then, but like in a cyber way... (laughs) No, I mean,
1: well, first of all, maybe the digital spirit is the youth, but also I met young people
2: in an old city part three, which is coming soon. <laughs> I guess young people in an old city has to, like, to transfer everyone to the digital age somehow.
1: They have to do the thing where the two worlds meet and, like, come to uh, coexist together.
2: Well, I, I assumed that that just happened. I was gonna. I did not read that as a conflict because I assumed time passed and the technology was made to like bridge the gap. I
1: didn't. I don't know. I didn't write any more than what you heard. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I
2: can. I can decide what I want to decide.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, all stories exist in the brains of those who hear them.
2: Uh, that was fucking incredible. <laughs> I, young Nora should be proud for being so on her bullshit. That's amazing. Like I said, Thank my you. stuff was so, <laughs> so, so much more embarrassing. Like this is like hilarious, right? It's a ludicrous <laughs> fantasy story that goes off in a million directions, very transparently inspired by a bunch of things. But it's very earnest in how it swings for the fences. I feel a little self-conscious about how mine is just like, ooh and then uh, <laughs> they have a fight. <laughs> and uh it'll be really good when i ride it <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean i literally have parts of this where i say they have a fight <laughs>
2: um it's just the like expansiveness of the mythology stuff i think you did a good job with that you just went all out in the like weird loops of the universe thing which again is its own like form and tropey thing right um but like I said, I I, I like uh, the second part a lot. I like the I, the way you do the fake Evangelion thing with uh all the like natural body horror stuff. Uh, I, I think that is if I was to choose one of these to like pick up today, <laughs> I would say that's the one. That's a good one. Yeah. Like um, a guy I, has to fight I, an eternal king who's doing Evangelion to his village.
1: <laughs> this is also like I had all these short stories or little flash fiction pieces that I wanted to. Weld into this, and one of those was, um, so there's a guy, and he's in a field, and he's surrounded by enemy soldiers, and he's conjuring lots of swords out of the air because I really liked the trailer for Final Fantasy Versus 13. Oh my god. And there's this guy who's just summoning dozens and dozens of swords to do this, like, one man army shit. Um, and I retconned that that one-off like scene to be like a guy like a character in this plot at the end of the world before the fantasy world gets like you know evangelion
2: this is I mean you you, had you read the Dark Tower
1: no I still have not
2: you still okay (laughs) this is a lot of Dark Tower I I have not read the Dark Tower but I've had it described to me Uh, there's a lot of Dark Tower esque stuff in this
1: I read one chapter of the Dark Tower and I was like, "This is a little bit boring." Um, maybe I, maybe I'll give that another shot in like ten
2: years. <laughs> maybe. <clears throat> uh,
1: but I found this and I was like, "I have to share this." I have to.
2: It suck. So, I mean, I understand why you should. Because like, actually, if I found one of my own summaries, I would just hide it under a rock. No one's seeing that. Uh, but uh, this uh-huh. is this is too good. This is too classic. This goes too hard. <laughs>
1: this feels very me
2: um
1: even now i can like see okay
2: if you were to do this now what do you think you'd latch on to what is what is the thing you you like drift towards like Oh. oh that was actually a good idea
1: i think that the the first two parts in the fantasy world uh, could just co- could just exist without being a prelude to
2: <laughs> magical realism, authorian <laughs> yes. uh, Castlevania with orcs yeah. in the underworld.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, because it kind of feels similar to like there's a specific type of fantasy thing that I really, really, really like, which is like <clears throat> I don't really know how to describe it. It's kind of like vague and archetypical. But like um, a lot of older, it's it's a vibe I get from certain old like video games, like something like Seventh Saga. Is just like like this character is a wizard, and that's just they look like a wizard, and that's cool because they're a wizard. And <laughs> there's like a very basic... I I really like basic looking fantasy characters? And I don't know how to say that without sounding like the most boring motherfucker in the world.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, like, every fantasy now is either uh, or at least for the last 50 years, right? Um, a lot of the stuff is post-Tokian and then post-post-Tokian Game of Thrones subversion stuff, but uh, the idea of just, it's the fucking wizard, he's a weird guy with a hat. Yeah, like,
1: the thing that I thought of just the other day was um, The Chronicles of Perdaine by Lloyd Alexander, Um they are like it's five books, and they are like very very short children's books in this high fantasy sort of Welsh setting, and that's like very much in line with this um, like this vibe. It's like I I guess when I think about tolis and that storyline, it's like kind of a what is it uh, like a like a sword and sandal kind of vibe. Um, I think that like doing that and, and focusing on this fantasy world where like, um, things are like, I, I like the, the interplay between like having the, the raw magic versus everyone else using very like static spells and like, um, I'm losing my train of thought because I had a, a rum and coke while recording this podcast. <laughs> but um... But yeah, that, that the, the basically, I would focus on raceless is a cool thief, and he finds some magic shit, and then it all goes bad. Here's the
3: and thing: he has magic powers.
2: Until you said that, I didn't realize raceless was a thief. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was like a, a hero guy with a sword who killed a lich. Mm, but don't you remember in
1: part four when uh, Sam uses knives because that's Raceless'
2: deal—is that he has knives? Um, I, I, I yes, I do remember when you said that, but I, I didn't hadn't I I articulated like, oh, Raceless must be like he's chosen the thief class.
1: <laughs> I guess the in the the thing here is like. Well, the first sentence is this is a wandering pickpocket.
2: Oh, that's okay. You know what? That's on me. But I also, when I think of the <laughs> pickpocket, I think of like kids and orphans and shit. Yes. Not, not somebody who goes grave robbing in an ancient tomb with
1: magic swords. Yeah, not
2: like, like uh, you know, the Final Fantasy class, the thief. Yeah. Uh, pickpocket means something different to thief in fantasy, I think. I think yeah. it has a different set of implications. I think so. And the reason I. I because like I said, I can't go back and look once you've said it, it's gone you've said it and I have to keep (laughs) following you never sent me the document (laughs) Um, and I was reading like Raceless as like uh, a kind of default guy because the whole point is that the next default guy becomes his like uh, enemy when he kills you know, when he he gets uh, fridged or whatever
1: Also, I really liked Final Fantasy 2 and When I read this about the youth and his origin story, I just think about the beginning of Final Fantasy II. Um, Because, yeah.
2: So while he's doing Evangelion, the youth is attacking himself to raise his strength.
3: (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Fantasy. Sometimes it's weird.
2: I loved it. I loved it. I'm so proud of you, Nora.
1: I'm glad you had a good time. I had a fantastic uh, time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thank you for uh, agreeing to be summoned to this place and to experience this with me.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Obviously. Um, We didn't really have... I guess we we didn't have an outro. I'm I'm just... I'm very happy about that. It was great. Uh... (laughs) You should write. You should write something. You keep wanting to write things. Did you ever actually like finish like a book or a story, or do you just kind of like do what I do and sketch an idea? no, I'm not like judging you. I also never finish anything. Just classic how it goes. I mean, I've written short things. Um, <laughs>
1: a thing I uh, not too not too many years after when this happened, uh, I tried to like. Okay, I'm getting back into writing, and the way I did that was that. On NeoGaf, there were these like monthly writing challenges of like, here's a theme. Interpret this phrase any way you want. They're still and write doing a thing. this on Error. Okay, well, I can't post on Error, so that's true. I you can... need
2: a proper email.
1: Yeah, and I have one, but I can't post because I can't confirm the email. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you don't want to post on Error. Don't worry.
1: Um, You know what site doesn't require a a real-ass email anymore is NeoGAF. That's true. Um, And so I have a couple of, like... Short story feels generous, I guess. (laughs) Um, There there are contained stories. They are short. They are probably closer to... uh, You know, I don't know what the what the what the like canon phrases are now. Novella, short story, etc. But they're like they're pretty short. Like dozen pages or less. Um, And I got some stuff in there that's like, eh, this is okay. Um, don't know how much it would it would stand up to be expanded, but it kind of works. For here's like a story about a cool psychic guy storming this battleship, and like executing the commander of a, of a, of a warship um, solo uh, or stuff like that. Here's a letter describing a story so that I don't (laughs) have to tell the story. (laughs) I can just tell it through the character voice of what the story was. Stuff like that. So yeah, I've, I've done short things. I've picked at some other projects, but I have not been able to, really every time i i try to do stuff it's hard is the
2: thing <laughs> i agree i'm i'm don't worry like i say this is not a judgment thing i'm the same way also like oh yeah, yeah. i've been like thinking for years oh, I'll, I'll write a story on like the best idea was i've got a few a couple of like completed scripts from the uh old days of doing that but also they're scripts no one reads scripts uh as you, you shouldn't You'd write a fucking book idiot uh because that was when of. <laughs>
3: not
1: If it's not uh, writing, then it's like, oh, I should get into coding, or I should learn how to play music, or I should learn how to draw. It's like, I just want to create stuff in every medium possible. Uh, which means that I don't create anything as create anything. <laughs> yeah, I just do
2: podcasts with my friends. Because at least when I do podcasts, I sit down with my friends, the recording's going, there's no off time. Um, yeah, but I, also, I feel the same, like, not dissatisfaction, right? Like, I'm very happy with the podcast I do, but I definitely wish I could yeah. do more creative stuff, but I don't know when I'd fit it in or what it would even be. Uh,
1: I just want to have created something in every possible medium before I die. But I don't That's
2: all. want to, like, <laughs> expend any effort.
1: Well, it's like... You know, when you podcast, the podcasting is the practice. Like, you can't practice podcasting without podcasting. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, for a lot of other things, you have to just do it without doing it and, like, practice without the actual creation part, which is the part that I want to do.
3: Well, but you have to like, develop
1: the
2: skill. I don't think that's necessarily true, but I think it's more that like, you do a podcast with your friend, you're talking to them, It's f- yeah. I have to write on my own, and I don't want to.
3: <laughs> like, it's <really laughs> yes, that,
2: yes. That simple.
1: I'm just lazy.
2: Uh, and and I, I
1: don't like the things that I've written once I've written them. <laughs> right.
2: And like, you know, I understand it's just me. I could just spend time and do that, but I, you know, I've i got a job yeah. doing podcasts, so I spend time on that instead.
1: Yeah. Um, writing is hard, actually. But also, it's very easy.
2: <laughs> it's so true.
1: I, so the thing that, you know, ideas are easy, I guess, is is the true thing. Because I'm always ideating. Ideaing. I
2: have never, I'm bad with ideas. I'm bad with story ideas. That's my terrible secret, is I'm actually really bad at ideas. And I'm always really impressed with listening to people's ideas. I'm like, well, you have so many, like, defined ideas here. And I don't. I've had the same three story ideas forever and they're not like that you know they're not so so well why do I only have three I'm not so attached to them that I should only have that but Mm -hmm. I it's just I don't know something my brain works I struggle with like letting myself have an idea because I can I can think about things I can make connections I'm not like oh I have no thoughts uh but it's it's. I know I'd be able to if I had to write something like for a job, I would just do it. I would get it done and it'd be bad. And I think I'd be much better at doing it as opposed to when I was a teenager. I would panic about oh this is shit and I wouldn't finish it. But now I just you know I can do bad things. It's fine. Yeah. I know what it's like to have a job now. But uh, my job is doing other things, so I don't do that anymore.
1: I write plenty of things in my head, and I have like <laughs> whole stories in my head that have arcs and conclusions and characters, and I just don't do anything. I don't write them because I'll, I'll write intro and then i have to write dialogue and i'm like uh how do people talk
2: we'll do a team-up thing what if we will do a co-write or we'll co-write something Ooh, powerful powerful is that so, a podcast oop,
1: oop. that's a podcast jackson uh tell people where to find you online
2: you can find me online at headfalls off at twitter.com uh, you can find the podcast that I do at abnormalmapping.com. Uh, that I do and them. people
1: can find your writing at.
2: Nowhere. Nowhere? Nowhere. You <laughs> can find The Great Gundam Project at patreon.com abnormalmapping. <laughs> we stopped doing the writing because I hated it.
1: <laughs> um, I should. Yeah. Uh, you know, I started doing the writing from the export Patreon, and then I haven't done it. And I said I would. It's it guys. Um, you can find me on Twitter at neithernora. You can actually find some of my writing at norablake.online. I don't know if any of the good stuff is on there. It might be um there might be some things on there that I stand by. Let me open up, let me look, let me open up norablake.online. What do we got? We got poetry, fiction, criticism, games, podcasts. Uh yeah, these are the three these are the three short stories I would uh I would say are are okay that I've written. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Uh yeah, there's stuff on here. Um Go to exportod.io to support the uh podcast network. Um and if you do, we can together We can have the power to manifest the podcast Godzilla's Not Dead, which is forthcoming.
2: Yeah. Um, Is that a Godzilla Watch podcast?
1: It is. Yeah. And assorted, like, adjacent films that you should watch. Yeah. Um, What is it? The Beast of 20,000 Fathoms or whatever? The one that came out right before Godzilla? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, Rodan has his own movie. Stuff like that. Um but yeah, give us money, help us uh, pay rent, and then we'll make a podcast for you. That seems like a good deal to me. Uh, also, I do Let's Plays at exportodd.io slash video. And you should send me your old D&D characters so I can put them into Dungeon Hack and see if they live. Um, that's the podcast. Thank you, Jackson, for being here again. Uh, of course. I don't have a sign-off for this um, because it's a weird other episode time. But uh, goodbye.
2: Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Thank you for inviting me to listen to that. I had a great time. Dallas, Texas was destroyed in a nuclear blast. Dallas, Texas was destroyed. (laughs) Twelve days later, she emerged from the
3: rubble. (laughs)
0: we got a number one victory royale yeah fortnite we about to get get down